0: Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Coroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat Podcast. Are you busy preparing for kidding season? Take the stress out of meals by getting delicious gray goat BBQ sauces and seasonings to elevate any meal. These products make great gifts for Valentine's Day. Do you want to taste product made from goats in the same herd as the gray goat herself? Try out rich, creamy, and decadent goat milk fudge, made from the girls at Utterly Wicked Farms. Get some sweets and treats for your sweetie at greygoatbbq.com. If you use the code ringside10, you'll get 10% off of your order today. So again, that's ringside10 to receive 10% off at checkout. Thank you to the Grey Goat for sponsoring this episode of Ringside. This episode of Ringside is sponsored by Thistlemore Pottery. Are you looking for gifts for the winners or judges at your upcoming shows? Thistlemore Pottery would love to work with you to create pottery with your show's or farm's logo on it. They're happy to make your pottery ideas come to fruition. Keep in mind, the ceramic process can take some time, a minimum of six weeks for custom orders. So be sure to get your orders in today. Handmade mugs make your morning coffee taste that much better. Check out the Thistlemore Etsy store to purchase pottery in stock alongside goat milk soaps made from the milk of the Thistlemore dairy goats themselves. For free shipping, enter code RINGSIDE. Go to thisamorepottery.com today. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by the She Speaks for the Trees, Danielle Caroli.
1: What does that even mean?
0: Well, I feel like, okay, I apologize to everybody that's listening. I jinxed winter. Yeah. And you spoke for the trees and called it out, and here we are. Yes.
1: 100 percent the worst part is that i'm sitting with three or four inches of snow right now this was literally we're recording this the day last week's episode aired where it got spoken into fruition and (laughs) that episode dropped and the yeah, snow started falling and so now i have three or four inches of snow we're supposed to get more snow on wednesday and yeah thank you john thank you so much
0: well I, I don't know if you could blame me because i'm sitting here and we have no snow on the ground now did it did it snow a little bit today yes did it stick no because my word is bible around these parts and winter has not come
1: okay kim k <laughs>
0: yeah well so you you have been busy shoveling mere inches off of the earth Uh, what else is new for your farm
1: we did our last round of pregnancy checks and you heard that right (laughs) we are in january and the pregnancy checks finally got sent in And so our last round of does are confirmed pregnant with that. Well, there's two does whoop 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 is right. Thank the good Lord. Oh my goodness. Um, and it actually will work out fine, but we have (laughs) two does that were just being Royal pains. And so I just couldn't get them stuck and couldn't draw blood. So, I figured they're either pregnant or they're not at this point because I'm not go I wasn't going any farther than May this year. And so I think they're pregnant. There's no reason they shouldn't be pregnant, but you know, like knock on wood, all of those things, cross my fingers, we'll see. The good thing is I have two of the doughs that I was complaining about on our episode about new year's goals that i was saying i don't even know if they're pregnant they're confirmed pregnant so that is good that is exciting and i can stop freaking out now and get ready for my first round of kids which will be born in march and then i will have one doe due in early april and i will have several do does due in may so we're breaking down kidding season into Two periods, more or less. So we'll see how this works.
0: <laughs> you and I both. You and I both. It's funny. I literally just uh, on my farm page posted the final kidding schedule for my my goats, and I got to tell you, it's like one group. So there's there's Gem in late February, and then uh, I have five does uh, due do until from march 7th to march 28th and then my second group is one and her name happens to be mary mack and she's due uh may 15th so that's you know i feel you on there
1: i have to tell you though a single doe by that time is going to be a walk in the park she's going to have her babies you're going to just be like oh piece of cake add her to the mix add the kids to the mix A single doe straggler is been there, done that. It's fun. You enjoy those kids a little bit more because it's a little less chaotic. So don't worry too hard about it. And leave poor Mary back alone.
0: (laughs) I can't fault her too much. Apparently, she just wanted my older buck, which is fine. It is what it is. Uh, In fact, it's funny. I'm looking at my schedule right now. I'm like, oh. I have to redo it once once again because I forgot to switch the buck she's bred to.
1: So, no way.
0: Great. Yeah. I'm just looking at it right now. As I was saying it, I was like, oh, crap. I didn't do that. But, yeah, she wanted my older buck, Foss, and not the young stud, Ozzy. It's fine. I'm not keeping any of those kids anyway. Most likely. Probably not. Mm, we'll <laughs> see.
1: Well. You know what they say about this podcast and speaking it into fruition, so.
0: Mm, yes, but uh, Tierney listens, and she's going to be like, mm mm, mm mm no, 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 you said you weren't keeping any May kids, which I really shouldn't because May kids are just the worst.
1: No, I-, I will disagree with you on that. I think May kids, if you're not looking at them and expecting them to look like your March kids or your April kids – they will grow. You just have to like think of them two months, three months behind. And as long as they're not stressed and you're keeping your animals cool and well fed, which you should be doing anyway, they will grow. Give them a year and they will look just like your other dry yearlings in that pen. Or, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call them, put Megan. What's the
0: threshold? What's what's the threshold for junior yearlings? What's the date for them usually?
1: I usually just say May 1st is my junior yearling cutoff, but I think it may change a little bit.
0: Depending on the date of the show?
1: Yeah, but I usually just figure it's a May 1st kid, and then they become a junior yearling. Or that's what I tell myself when I make junior yearling potential kids.
0: That's the only potential that there could be for us to... I uh, keep a kid because those junior yearling kid classes are so small anyway. And let's face it, Mary Mac is in a, a nice dough. She looks nice. So nice, in fact, that somebody made me some custom coasters with Mary Mac's image on them. And I, I got to say, I received your your late Christmas present and it was lovely. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And it's not my fault. <laughs> Literally, you have no idea what I went through to get those to you, um, short of putting them on Santa's sleigh, it was insane between making sure that the address was correct to changing it to something else, to changing it to something else, to finally having to ship it to myself and then ship it to you. It was a no small feat. So, yes, it was a late Christmas present, but it was not intentionally late. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't understand because most places ship to a, unless it's a large item, ship to a P.O. box. So whatever company you were using to print those, uh, your art off, um, boo.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think they, the customer service team said that they were having so many of these packages rejected by the post offices when they went to P.O. boxes that they stopped sending them to P.O. Boxes, but w- they were only shipping through the mail service, so they couldn't UPS them or FedEx or... Anyway, That's neither here nor there. We do <laughs> we do have a whole podcast to talk about instead of uh, the delivery systems of...
0: I guess we do, huh?
1: Yeah, minor things.
0: Well, can I shoot the crap for a second?
1: Isn't that what we're, we've been doing?
0: Just, just for a second. Just
1: continue. Go ahead.
0: Yes, but even further. Okay. So, uh, spoiler alert: I listen to other podcasts besides our own. <gasps> Shocker! Like I just do. I do. It's podcasts are fun. I love podcasts. It's, I never really listen to music unless I'm in the car with Tierney and she doesn't want to listen to my lame podcast. So there's this one podcast uh, I listen to, which is uh, the Hopcast, which is the Holstein Ontario podcast. Um, it's really nice. I, I like keeping up with Holstein stuff and dairy cow stuff. So I listen to them and they're Canadian. So it's even more fun. Uh, and it was brought up on their podcast uh, that Holstein Canada is getting rid of dairy strength on their scorecard. And it will now be called rib structure uh, to add to that. Uh, Canada looks at and changes their scorecard Every year, where like America uh, Holst, America Holstein, um, they tend to do it every five years. So every year, they're making some sort of small tweak to their scorecard, if need be, um, where America seems to be like five years behind. And when they do it every five years, it's like a huge change to the scorecard. What do you think about getting rid of the term dairy strength and, and changing it to rib structure?
1: I mean... I think part of dairy strength in dairy goats is all of the other aspects of it. The angularity, the openness, the freedom from excess fleshing. And yes, ribs are a part of it. And there is openness of ribs. And you want to make sure that there's the ribs are flat. But that ultimately goes more towards bone structure, I would think than the rib structure because your ribs and the shape of the rib should almost or should mirror the rest of the body in terms of is it going to be round or is it going to be more flat and so when you're just focused solely on the ribs i feel like in dairy goats it's doing a disservice to the rest of the animal Um, in terms of dairy strength, but that's just my opinion of it. And the other thing is, I don't know, and you might know better than I do, but uh, do those other aspects of dairy strength, the, I mean, even the length of neck, the angularity throughout the openness, do those fall in other aspects of the Holstein Ontario or, sorry, Holstein Canada scorecard?
0: It's built very similar. Well, I should say the ADCA scorecard is built very similar to both Holstein clubs. Um, so, I mean, obviously there's differences. We're talking about different species here. But when they're talking about dairy strength, uh, it's it honestly the first thing the judges talk about when they're breaking down an animal in a show. And they're talking about the dairy strength of an animal. The next words that come about out of their mouth are about their ribs. So even though the scorecard doesn't really encompass just the rib structure, uh, judges tend to lean towards that. So I think maybe that's where the change comes. But it, it definitely is supposed to be the length of the neck, everything that encompasses their dairy strength It should go for out, throughout that. I mean, bone structure, all that. So length of bone, um, substance, but for some for some reason they just are going to tune into just the rib structure. And when after listening to that podcast, I did some digging, and there was nothing that uh, was set in stone yet. Um, now they did say that it was early. I believe that <clears throat> excuse me, one of the guys uh, that is on the podcast, he is on the board for Holstein Ontario or hosting Canada. So I think that maybe he kind of had some insider information for that. So there's nothing set in stone, but just them mentioning it, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Just turning it into just rib structure is kind of crazy.
1: No, it is. And it'll be interesting to see what that looks like and what that affects going forward. And I know that, There is a lot of similarities between the dairy cow scorecard and the dairy goat scorecard. But I do think that the dairy goat scorecard has been very much formulated for dairy goats. And looking at things that cows just don't necessarily factor as much or putting weight on different aspects that, again, it's just the dairy cows are just not focused on quite as much. Because even though they are both milking animals, there are differences. And so I do think it is, you know, some of it does correlate and some of it is very similar terms, but when you look at kind of the breakdown of the scorecard, I think you start to see the differences, maybe the emphasis on feet, legs, and pasterns on one versus the other or um, the lack of focus on parts of the mammary system for one versus the other i think there's similarities but there's differences because as we're building these scorecards and changing them and making sure the type is correct on that scorecard each individual species is looking towards their species and what is really mm-hmm. beneficial for the longevity yeah them Perfectly
0: said. Yeah, I just found it super interesting. It got my mind going, and it was well. No,
1: no, no. I think it's interesting, and
0: yeah, yeah. I, I was listening I to it while I was cleaning, uh, cleaning stands, and at work, and doing a bunch of other stuff at work, and it's just something to occupy my brain. But I was like, "Wow, this is this is really interesting." Um, we should probably get into some ad good news because we haven't really done ad good news in quite some time.
1: The first thing that we want to talk about is we are airing this podcast on the 30th. So Monday the 30th is when we are airing. This is the second to last day to sign up if you want to have your herd appraised. The application deadline is January 31st. So if you were on the fence or you were procrastinating This is now your reminder to no longer procrastinate, submit that application, get it in, so that this way, with scheduling allowances, your herd will get appraised.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And in other news from the Executive Committee, just so everybody's aware, I'm sure they've seen the post, but if you haven't, mail-in registrations are caught up to November 10th, transfers January 10th, 2023. DNA orders are up to one fifteen twenty three, and rush work is up to one eighteen twenty three. So good job to everybody in the ADGA office for keeping it going. And with that, I also just want to notate here. I am super frustrated, just like everybody else. I wish NG was working better and I wish that my Guernsey's had some paperwork that wasn't just a stamp duplicate. I wish that... Many other things were possible through NG right now. I got to tell you guys, I see the frustration on all the district pages. Totally understandable. But my thing is, this is a group that is going to and has kept ADGA afloat, in my opinion. This executive committee and board, but mostly the executive committee because they're the ones that keep going to Spindale from the West Coast and everywhere else, taking the time a week or more to work in the office, get things caught up, and try to get things going straight. They were set up to fail by the previous two ECs. Both of those did, in my opinion, a terrible job at running this organization. And this current EC is digging us out without going under. Isn't that amazing? So... I just want to say, I've been starting to see some posts that are pretty terrible. Not as bad as they used to be, but still, it's kind of like, guys, these, these people have farms and their own jobs as well. Uh, just remember that they were dealt a bad hand, and it's going to take time. And it's probably not even going to be the end of this year before a lot of things get fixed. So uh, but this is my reminder to be kind. <laughs> I guess we could all use a little bit more kindness in this world.
1: Very well said, John, and I echo that sentiment. Be kind. There are things being worked on and we are all in this and I understand people's frustrations. We'll get through this and there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel and it'll be, we'll be okay. I think we'll have to, and things that were the way, a that they were three years ago might not be what 2023 is going to look like or 2024, and trends or common practices might be different. I think we all have to remember as a whole, there are reasons we are all in this industry and we are all working with registered dairy goats, and it'll all come I together. Agree.
0: And one thing, we just had our progressive meeting in person, first one we've had in years because of COVID and all that other stuff. Um, And the first thing people were talking about, what we were talking about was, you know, champion challenge and uh, show wins not being processed. I mean, yes, I would love my show wins to be processed so I can have those certificates for my does and be able to show them in champion challenge. But just like I said at the meeting, and I'll say here, if I have to show them in regular class, I'm going to, and that shouldn't hinder somebody uh, because they're afraid they're going to make people mad. Like, just do do what you love and do what you want to do. Uh, just don't break any rules, right?
1: Exactly. Well, I guess we
0: should get to our topic, if we want to call it that. Daniel, what are we what are we talking about today?
1: So today we're kind of talking about fine tuning our operations. So. For both of us, our doughs are dry, and so our chore time is definitely reduced, which leads us to have more time to concentrate on different aspects of our lives, but also to figure out those important changes that we want to implement in 2023 in our management. Sometimes these changes can be drastic, but other times little changes can make all the difference in the success. Of our herd and also the enjoyability of chore time. On today's episode, we are going to discuss some of the changes we are working on to implement on our farm during this upcoming year. Kind of backstory, uh, and I don't even know if I told you, John, on why I thought this was a f- interesting conversation to have. For those who do not know, I have a few does who are notorious gate openers. They will get out. They will have a party in my barn. I have, so not only do I have gate openers, but then there is a second round of goats that are can openers. So I have the does that open the gates and then I have the does that open the grain cans. And Mm -hmm. it just creates so much mess. I have one doe that knows that the second I go in that pen, if my back is turned, she can make a beeline and open that gate before I can get in and everybody goes out. So it's a struggle. The biggest thing is my feeding system in my barn. When I'm feeding hay inside, I have to go into the pen. And so when you're carrying hay, you're trying to keep this gate locked, It gets pretty, it's a little herring sometimes. (laughs) And we had a system that worked really well to keep her in, more or less. So we would make sure we knew whenever we were done in that pen, we had to latch the gate. The thing about it was that it was a real pain to latch the gate when we were going in and we had something in our hand and needed to latch it because we had to go around and rehook the ultimately what we have right now is a chain with one of those uh I think it's an, and now what would it be like an S clip or the two I'm blanking on what it would be carabiner No, it's not a carabiner. It has two clips on it. Oh, so
0: it's yeah, it's like an S clip. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so Basically, we would have the one end attached to a ring that we had in the wood of the pen, and then we'd unhook the one side, let it go, go in, and try and then rehook it again. So we failed multiple times to get it done. We thought we could sneak in, put the food in before she got there. Didn't work. Bunch of goats would get out. We've been playing with these latches for years, trying to figure out a system that works. And then quite recently, all of a sudden I realized that if you just have a little loop, so a little circle of the loop that you just move up and down the fence, you can very easily with one hand keep that fence locked when you need it locked and move it to open when you need it open. So we now have this circle that stays on our gate and goes over the latch and then we clip it back to the pin I guess on I'm not doing a good job of explaining this but (laughs) we put it clip it back to the pin when we're not going back in and out but we can now go in and out and it's very easy to not have the gate opened by her or anybody else because she's not she doesn't have enough time to move that chain and then open the latch so it's a really simple fix, but it took us years and years to figure out. I mean, I'm literally telling you, it is a chain that's now completely linked and you just attach it to the other part and that's the extent of it. But we've been struggling for this with this for years and years and that simple little tweak has made chore time so much easier. Long story short, sometimes it's that taking that step back and evaluating even those little tweaks that'll make your management better your chore time better and so forth. it's amazing
0: how little tweaks can make a lot of difference in not only your chore time but also the ease
1: Exactly. i guess we should
0: get right into it let's start with like mm, you and i both have milk machine on there so let's start Ooh. with what types of changes are you making as far as your your milk machine goes
1: I'm going back to using one. <laughs>
0: Dude, same.
1: Dude, same. <laughs> so this year, we only had six does freshen, and I just kind of couldn't decide, and ultimately I think we ended up drying one off early enough that we were milking five, and we really couldn't justify the time to clean that machine and the extra steps involved in it. And I get that. And obviously that was my choice. But I do think that I need to go back to the machine and hopefully I'm not milking only five or six again for another couple of years. But I just think with my milking machine, first of all, it's a little bit more consistent. It's less traumatic to my hands by the end of this year. I was putting on some of my rings and they weren't quite fitting the same as they used to. And you got the old
0: man hands,
1: I have the old man hands now. And so like, <laughs> I want to wear my rings and the fact that milking by hand probably made my hands just, Like those joints or whatever swell a little bit. I just don't necessarily think it's good. And the vanity in me just wants to be able to wear my rings again. So um, we're going to go back to the milk machine. We're going to have more dose fresh in anyway. But I do think we're going to go to the milk machine pretty quick in terms of when we're starting using it as well. Um, And I think there are some things it does help with there's something Mm -hmm. to struggle with as well with that. But I do think it'll definitely give the doughs a more consistent milking each time. And it'll also probably be just a little cleaner because ultimately, even though we wear gloves when we're milking, we're not getting up, moving from dough to dough, uh, touching the stand with our hands. Um, Those inflations go right on the dough and it will hopefully be a little cleaner. So that's the plan we're gonna go back to our milking machine so why do you have milking machines on this list
0: well for the last forever i haven't used mine i have a it's like an old hamby surge milker and it's in perfectly good condition i've kept it in good condition it hasn't been sitting out and getting rained on and all that good stuff so it's in fine shape i'll probably replace the hoses and stuff on it just so i can have new like even though they're pretty new (laughs) hoses on it already because it hasn't been used i just don't want any like just in case got dry rotted or something i don't know but my thing is i i spend a lot of time up there milking and and although i milk quick i like to sit there and just kind of relax and you know just grab each dough let them eat their food and stuff so i i just with more does being fresh this year than we have in a while uh, which is seven not a, not a ton of does but it's seven uh, We ju- i just feel like it's it's time to break it in um and see if it is effective to saving some time up there if if it's not then i'll go back to hand milking no big deal I think the biggest thing with hand milking is like the first two or three weeks your hands cramp by that third or fourth dough you're just like oh man like this is terrible but then once once you're in full milking form it's fine Uh, but I think this year is just time to break it out see how it goes see how I like it uh, and go from there Uh, that's really what it comes down to for us and with that Uh, I'm actually looking for a four or five dough milk stand that I can either find somewhere on the market for cheap or build myself. I'd like to find one that's lighter duty than what I would probably build. Um, But that's also uh, something I want to change because right now I have a wooden stand that I built that is heavy as can be because I overbuilt it. Like I do everything. (laughs) And then I have my premier one stand, which is great and I love it, but it's just a a single dose stand as well. So I'd really like to get just a multi dose stand. So I don't have to deal with the nonsense. So, Hey, any listeners, if you know anybody, just uh, send me a message.
1: No, a multi dose (laughs) stand is, it really is nice. And it makes it that much easier because you're not waiting for two does to eat their grain. You are able to wait on all six at one time or all mm-hmm. four at one time. So it just increases that turnaround and I'll let them go back into their pen that much quicker.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and it would also just be—it'd be nice to just be like, "Oh, this feels like I'm in a parlor and not milking goats outside." And you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's next on your list for something that you're going to be changing and or fine tuning this year?
1: We actually started changing it already, and that is our nutrition program. I earlier this fall, I had my grain company nutritionist representative come to my barn, and they actually did hay samples and tests on. My hay because one of my biggest concerns or two of my biggest concerns was, am I feeding too much when they're in milk? And not necessarily am I feeding too much grain, but I feed grain. I give them a little alfalfa pellets. I give them a little bit of sunflower seeds. Sometimes a doe might need a little bit of an equine senior feed. And So with grain prices going up um, and also wanting to make sure that I wasn't just adding food to their diets that they didn't need, I wanted to kind of tailor that mix of feeds a little bit so that this way I was mindful and also giving them the best chance for success. And then I also am very concerned or was very concerned about my dry period. And I've kind of talked about it a bit before. The last couple of years, we haven't really had a successful dry period. During that dry period, because somebody has to eat the hay, we feed our does a first cut hay. Somebody has to eat it. And so usually it's our bucks, but our bucks also get a medicated meat goat grower All year round. So Mm -hmm. high protein. Um, It's almost formulated. So it could be a complete feed as well. So the hay they get is more just fiber. And they do well on that. And we monitor them during rut. And increase their grain. But our does just were not keeping the condition. Like they used to in the past. On this first cut hay. And so it actually, so I wanted to figure out what was the best thing I could do for them with their dry period. And I mean, we're feeding this dry hay to them for usually about two to three months, depending on when we dry off the majority of the herd. And then when we start kidding again, and then we switch to our second or third cut hay. So, you're, and, so your
0: dry hay is is a first cut, right?
1: Correct, Yes. Yeah. So okay. we use the same field for our first, for all of our hay comes from the same field. So it's the first cut gets fed to the dough, to, sorry, the bucks and usually the kids. And then the second cut and the third cut gets fed during our lactation. And then we feed the first cut to the dry does during their dry period okay with that and this is actually the first time i've ever had like a hay analysis done but i was actually able to find out that my first cut hay was actually about two to four percent less protein than you want it to be so it came in at 5.992 percent protein and you typically want your first cut to be around 8 to 10%. And so the nutritionist I talked to said it was actually very common in our area. The samples she had been doing for other farms, she just kept seeing that. And it makes sense. We had a crappy, crappy hay year. And so it was yeah. more or less to be expected. She suggested the biggest thing is... For my dry period, that I need to supplement the protein and I need to do something like an alfalfa pellet. So we started adding alfalfa pellets to the dough's diets. It was kind of interesting. I didn't do it right away, mainly because I knew I had to do it, but I wanted to see, not if I needed to, but I wanted to see like. Am I really going to see a difference? I'm going to have to buy alfalfa pellets. Am I really going to see a difference here? And then they started, we dried them off and it was okay. But then they started to just lose a little condition. I said, okay, time to add the alfalfa pellets in. Now everybody's looking plump. Everybody's looking great. It's amazing how much that little change of putting a bucket full of alfalfa pellets in for my whole entire pen of does has changed and allowed them to continue to thrive while um, they're getting this lower protein hay. So that was the big kind of takeaway, one of the big takeaways. But then we also looked at our milking mix and we're going to adjust that when the kidding time comes because I was feeding too much sunflower seed. And so we're going to cut that back. We're probably going to even add some cracked corn to the mix and see how that goes to give them a really nice balanced diet. So I will say kind of the plug because this is something I had never done before, but I think it is usually readily available with your with the people you buy your grain from you can definitely ask if they'll be willing to kind of help you find you know do a hay sample and figure out what your hay is going to look like and help you balance that diet they're usually for them especially with the bigger companies they usually have a nutritionist on hand that'll at least point you in the right direction Mm -hmm. really valuable resource
0: I'll be interested to see what kind of mix they make up for you because I've been thinking about changing up my feed uh, mix and I just get, uh, you know, the bag stuff, you know, just I don't have a mill around me that is willing to work uh, with us because we don't buy a ton, ton of grain. But at the same time, I'm like, man, my feed mixture really worked well last year uh, between the the shredded beet pulp and the grain and... Really, just making sure they had the minerals they needed and all that stuff. Uh, so I, we'll see how this year goes in the beginning, and if I feel like I need to make adjustments, I might be picking your brain about that. That's very interesting
1: stuff. Just to clarify, though, I'm not going away from the bagged feed. It's the supplements to the bagged feed.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah. So
1: I'm gonna. My base is that bagged feed, and then I'm gonna be mixing in a little of this, putting in a little of that. You know, adding this, mm-hmm. and just. Changing the recipe a bit of what they're getting. So, um, yeah. the Yeah, base it's was- just like
0: buying coffee pods uh, from the store. And then you're adding your own whipped cream and cinnamon twist to it. And maybe some cream and sugar. You're finding that balance that works well be- best for you.
1: Yes. yeah, Did
0: that work really well? Am I a genius?
1: No. But I just <sighs> felt like you should just have it. So,
0: yeah. Well. I thought that was pretty smart. Well, I guess we'll get up to my next change for this year. Yes. Uh, The big one, this is a bigger one for us, uh, is our kidding pen setup. Uh, Or not really really the kidding pen, the kid's pen. So after they're born, what we've done in the past is we have a fairly large uh, basement that's kind of like a garage. Uh, So some people keep their kids in a garage. We keep ours in the basement like little trolls. So, so uh we've we've been keeping them in there. I lay down a tarp, uh, and then you know they're bedding and then they have the fence around them, all that good stuff. The I just the last year it was super wet. So I kept them in there um, probably a week longer than I really wanted to. <clears throat> But with that, it's just they. There was a couple times they got sick, and it's like, oh, this dampness probably isn't great for them. It's this. This is a basement. Uh, So this year, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have them in the basement for probably a week, uh, a week and a half at most, and then they're going to be moved outside into calf hutches, and there's going to be a fence with hot wire around it, so no uh, things that go bump in the night can get to them, and then. I'll have a makeshift door that I can lock uh, for that calf hutch at night. Um, and then if it gets cold, they, we can use our Premier 1 super safe uh, heat lamp, and they should be fine. So that's the game plan this year. Uh, it's a big change for us. Like The biggest thing that comes to my brain is, oh, man, I really hope something doesn't get in there and, and kill them. But we should be fine. <laughs> so as long as that, that fence is hitting hot, I don't think anything will try
1: right and are you keeping them close enough to everything else that most likely you're not going to get something there correct
0: well that's the thing that i've been hemming and harring about so there's a couple spots i can put them on the property um i've been thinking about we have an old chicken coop that i want to just knock down and get rid of and then i can because it's not big enough for kids and this was in my early years before goats where I built everything with screws and I'm sure like get torn up in the inside uh, by screws that are poking through as I was cobbling this thing together. <laughs> so I'm going to knock this thing down with a million pounds of screws and uh, put the calf hutch there and then uh, either use the chicken run, which I really don't want to do. I mean, I can lay down some lime and it'll be fine. Or just knock that run down and, and build a fenced in area and all that stuff. Uh, so I have that, or I have up by the dough barn a spot that I can clear out and, and put there that's a little bit more guarded than behind my house. Behind my house is like having the bucks there. I know nothing's a bear's not gonna really mess with my bucks too much. Uh, but as far as kids, it's like, mm, I don't know. Where up by the Doe barn, there's these two buildings. Uh, that there's enough space in between those two buildings to put them there, they would be much safer. So that's probably the route we're going to go. I haven't finalized it yet. I haven't. When I say I haven't finalized it yet, I haven't uh, discussed it too too much with Tyranny yet. So that's that's really the boss man that I got to talk to before I make any final decisions on where they go.
1: Right, and which one would give you easier access when you're going out to feed them three times uh, a day, four times a day.
0: Behind the house would be ideal, but I can also justify just walking up fifty to seventy-five yards up to uh, where they are to feed them there. Like it's really, it's not like I'm walking a mile here. And even if it is an extra bit, I could use a little bit of exercise. So I don't think it would be a big deal.
1: Your fitness makes <laughs> happy. <and> happy. <laughs> You'll get yourself it.
0: Right, <laughs> So so that's that's one of the big changes. Uh, and I'm looking at this list and I'm like, boy, Daniel only has a couple where I'm like crushing it over here. Do you have any more before I just continue on with what I got going on?
1: Jump in, go next, and let me think because I feel like I had another one that just didn't make the list. But go okay. with your next one and then sure. we'll
0: this. So last year I... Didn't graze out my does a ton. In fact, I'm not even sure if they went out once on pasture. There was a couple reasons. It was a super wet year, and I didn't want them to impact the areas so much that I wasn't getting regrowth on what was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also with that, uh, when it's usually wet, what comes with wet? Slugs. What do we happen to have here? Deer. So then you worry about the slugs dealing with the meningitis – Uh, that they can catch from deer uh, Mm -hmm. and pass on to the goats. And I just didn't want to deal with that. So they didn't graze too much. They were on dry lot, which is where they are all winter. And they did fine. Were they the happiest? Mm, Probably not. They probably wanted to uh, forage like they have in the past. Uh, And another reason that we didn't rotate as much is because one of the main areas that we used to use on our property, uh, which is like between our house and a a uh, wooded lot on the property. Um, we've made some changes with uh, a couple of our like roundabouts on our property, uh, parking spots for like say the RV, uh, where the drainage for when it did rain uh, just made where they used to go uh, a swamp, basically, <laughs> like there's a lot of standing water. Um, so it's always wet. So I obviously ge- goats are allergic to water. so i didn't put them in there yeah right like they just they wouldn't have loved it at all they would have been mad all day Uh, plus water and electricity probably not great Eh, (laughs) yeah 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 so uh we didn't put them in that favorite spot so this year what i'm gonna do and i didn't get a chance to seed it this fall i usually like to reseed um, some of my pastures in the fall so shame on me for not getting it done uh, but once the ground is unfrozen, I am going to uh, reseed a couple spots, hope the birds don't get to it too bad, and then rotate the girls as need be. Uh, make them happy. Make me happy that they're out doing goat things. Uh, and not just on a dry lot, eating a bunch of money by eating just hay. Um, you know, I saw my hay bills increase a bunch this year and getting hay more frequently in the warmer months because I didn't have them out on pasture and it, it does affect your red line. So, or your bottom line. So that's, that's another driving force on why we're going to go back to what we used to do.
1: Nice. Nice. No. And I think when you have those animals out, when they're able to move around and be in different environments or just graze and, do all that. They're healthier, they're happier anyway. So it's definitely a good thing to try and utilize more this year. So then mine, and I realized this is one of those things I wanted to talk about, is I am going to make sure my kids are early adopters to my lamb bar. And mm. I figure this is always, it's always like that. You rip, you just have to like rip the band-aid off and then w- struggle a little bit. And then once they ha- they're they on that lamb bar or the whatever kind of feeding system you're using, it just makes your life so much easier. And so my plan this year And I think it'll work out hopefully really well based on kind of the timeline of when my first group of does are going to kid. And then also my second group is I'm going to have a lot of kids pretty quickly. And so I'm going to make sure they have their colostrum from the bottles to make sure that they're getting enough colostrum. They're still learning to suck. There's all of those aspects. So they're going to get that colostrum from the bottle. But this year, I am going to be really good that 48 hours old, they are getting fed on the bar. And I am going to obviously make sure they're getting enough when they're getting fed on the bar and do some of that old school pick the kid up. Is the stomach full? Okay. Are they trying to suck a lot? Maybe it needs a little bit more. But if i can get them fed on that lamb on the lamb bar really young which it's totally doable it just requires dedication on my part i think <laughs> my life's going to be that much easier and so um that's going to be a change i'm going to try and get going really
0: that's quick. admirable and i got to <laughs> say I did a terrible job of getting keeping the kids on Lambar last year. Tierney did a wonderful job getting them started. She has so, so much more patience than I do. But, but it's it came down to me being lazy and knowing that I can feed, oh, I think at the peak, because I had kids moving pretty quick last year, I think the peak was like – six that I had quote unquote keepers before I sold off a few feeding three at a time because I can do the big bottles in my hands. I have big hands, uh, at a time is is no big deal. So I was like, oh, it's so much easier just to wash these bottles out than it is to wash out this lamb bar and I was lazy. Like I'll be the first one to say that. But this year I have 7 does kidding. I have a Guernsey that's the size of a house. I just saw a post from a Guernsey breeder that her one of her does had quads, three does and a buck today. <laughs> and that scares me. I like I thought that they were just like Swiss breeds and didn't do crazy things like this. But here's this doe having quads, and I'm like, oh no, I'm no way, I can't do that. So yeah, Lambar is a must. Uh, as you brought it up, I was like, yeah, this is gotta, this has to get on my list. It's <laughs> I, I can't do bottles with that many kids this year.
1: And it really does. There is so much frustration, that initial, like, I got to train the kids. I got to get them going and making sure they're still on. And so you do have to practice patience. But then once they get on, it is, it just makes it so, so much easier. And let me tell you, they are just as friendly. So I I feel like some people are like, oh, but they're not going to be as friendly. Nope. Those things are just as friendly on the bar as they are on the bottle. If you're Mm. really worried about the amount of milk they get, there are some ways you can adapt your system. Particularly if you're using one of those buckets with the straws, um, you can put them in bottles. There's things you can do too. I the one I use is the pink Coburn feeder that I I mean it just make cleanup is so much easier than using the straws anyway and you do have to replace the nipples pretty frequently I usually figure I'll use the nipples for one year and then have to replace them because they do get worn a little faster but the cleanup is just that much easier and they seem to jump on it that much quicker too but Uh, And I just make sure I have enough milk. And if I know these kids are a little more aggressive, I'll pull them off and make sure the little ones get enough. And I'm always checking tummies before I put them back in their pens and, um, when they're little and you want, I find you want them to kind of have that full tummy and you can feel the difference and know when they're full or not. and, So it's a little more work at first, but it just, when you have them on the bar instead of on the bottle, it is just an amazing, like, it just makes you so happy.
0: If you can't tell if they're full or not, you just pick them up and you shake them a little bit and you can hear it sloshing around in their belly.
1: (laughs) Or you just kind of. Feel the sides, like I don't think you need to shake them. No shaking, babies. Oh, shake them like a Polaroid picture. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How that developed. don't shake
0: them, folks. Don't shake them, please. The yeah. only reason that I know that a slosh is around is because I used to pick mine up and over the fence that they were in, in the in the basement there, which is you know a three three and a half foot fence. So yeah, you could hear it sloshing as you're trying to get them over without having to open the door. <laughs> uh, I have. A couple more things, actually. I, there was one on the list, but I just thought of one that okay. is a, has been on my to-do list, and it, it's going to be to-done this year. And that is uh, my stalls that my does are in. They were built kind of just quick. You know, we went from uh, having uh, a dough and a weather pet to three bred does. So we were like, ooh, we got to throw this all together real quick. So we did. And when we did that, we used plywood and two-by-fours. And so it's all enclosed. You know, there's open air, obviously, in the barn. It's not like to the ceiling, but it's like three, mm, three and a half, four feet up uh, for the doors and the wall. So or half wall. So what I want to do is I want to take those out and I want to make wood slats and I want to feed my does in hay feeders where they're reaching out and they're not wasting so much darn hay. So that's that's the big project for me this year
1: that is also that was my big one as well. So we're going to be doing a few changes in terms of my setup, but I have a great hay feeder that does cut down on hay waste because the uh the slabs are slanted, so and they're they're elevated when they're eating, but the problem is that it's on the wall of my pen and you can't the clean the far it wall uh, It's on the far wall. So I have to go into the pen when I'm throwing hay inside. And it's a
0: pain. So, it's a pain, right? Every time you got to go in, you got to fight the doe as trying to steal hay from you. It's a pain.
1: Yeah. You got to make sure the gates latched, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a full circle. We just came full circle.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Look at us podcast done. No, <laughs> um, so we're doing a few changes. Uh, And with that, I am going to move my hay feeder so that this way I can feed from the outside so I will not have to go in the pen to feed. But the other thing is because this hay feeder is great and it keeps the hay out of the dough pen, but there's still excess hay leftover. They get a little picky. They don't want to eat all of it. It builds up a little bit. I may overfeed them and say, oh, no, 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 just eat all this hay. And they're like, no, we're done. You fed us three bales today and we don't need all that. So it does build up a little bit. And then plus you just have like the chaff hay and things like that. So I don't really have a good cleaning system besides using like jumping into the feeder with the shovel and it just it's not easy. I mean, thank goodness the shovel fits in it, but it's not clean up. In, in
0: there? You jump in there? I'd get stuck in mine. First of all, mine are on the wall, but I, so they'd break, but I'd also get stuck in mine and be calling for help.
1: Yeah. No, I sometimes jump in. Sometimes I, like, if it's not too bad, I can shovel from the side, but um, it's usually easier when you jump in. Um well-
0: if you had it outside like me, you wouldn't have to worry about having to clean it out because the deer come out, come in at night and clean it out for you.
1: Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. I want that. But, no, you um, don't. It's pain. Uh, so, but we're going to be putting it on the perimeter of the inside pen, and then we're going to be able to uh, also have access to clean it. So that'll make my life that much easier.
0: Well, I think that's awesome. I yeah, I, I totally want to do just like the typical setup you see for like dairy cows, but with goats, and instead of vertical, they're going to be you know horizontal boards. So, yeah, cool, cool. I'm glad we're on the same page as far as that goes. Now, the last thing I have, waste, unless
1: wasted what's that? hay. I said, speaking of wasted
0: hay. Exactly. Speaking of wasted hay, which I don't even think I talked about this on the, the podcast with the New Year, did I?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Hmm. okay. We as a family, I as a family, Tierney as a uh, supporter and and is receiver of this gift, uh, we decided to add Cooney Coonies Kuni this year coming up. So this spring, I know, right? Some Cooney Cooney pigs. Ooh, we're going to start a Cooney Cooney pig uh, podcast. you got to guess some. No. What do you mean no? It'll
1: be fine. I don't do pigs anymore.
0: Well, they're not like the pigs that just get overgrown and nasty. These are fun little, little little-ish pigs that are hairy.
1: Smell. uh...
0: Supposedly, they're not that bad.
1: Okay. You're going to have to tell me if they are or not, but like, I, I mean, like I grew up in pig 4-H. We raised pigs. I had pigs for years. Now I walk into the pig barns at fairs and I'm like, I got to get out of here and they're cleaning them and everything. Ah, Don't ask me, but yeah. So pigs and I don't get along anymore. Anyway, continue your story.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Tierney loves them. She thought they're they're she thinks they're adorable, uh, oh, which they I, are? I can yeah, I can totally agree with it. like I, I'm with it. And our friend Ashley, friend of the show she's been on, Ashley Clark, uh, she has Cooney Cooney pigs and she had a litter earlier or like in December ish, uh, maybe late November where uh, unfortunately the sow uh, laid on a few and she had one left and it became a house pig. And it's the cutest darn thing. And I was sending Tierney these cute videos and pictures that Ashley was taking. Uh, and Tierney was like, oh, my God, I love these. So I was like, you know what? Tierney had Nigerians. We got rid of Nigerians because I couldn't stand them anymore. Tierney has Guernseys. We might be, get ri- be getting out of Guernseys. Let's get some Cooney Cooney pigs. Uh, we'll get two females. And they can help with wasted hay. And they can be cute and pretty, and we won't have to worry about having to eat them. Uh, and if she likes them, which she probably will, we'll get a boar and we'll start breeding them. And then we'll start processing our, processing our own uh, pigs and selling pigs, and we'll see how it goes. So yeah, we've got Kuni Kunis coming up this year. That is a new uh, change to the whole system.
1: Well, and the, besides the wasted hay and kind of cleaning the pens and or at least turning the pens over and kind of rooting through them, pigs are also a great disposal system for milk. right,
0: exactly. And the nice thing about the Kunikuni Kuni pigs and why we went to them besides the fact that they look like ewoks from from you know Star Wars.
1: Uh, And that's probably the only reason, let's be honest, but let's pretend you have other reasons, are they?
0: Well, they have have low impact uh, to the areas they're in. Uh, Obviously, if it's a smaller area, pig's going to turn it up no matter what breed it is. Like, they're going to get bored. They're going to want to dig. But if you can move them around, say, rotationally, then it's less of an impact, and it's good for everybody involved. So uh, that's our plan. Uh, we're going to see how they do uh, with the goats during the day. Uh, we're going to st- start with the adult goats. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll throw in like a Judas lamb in there for a uh, sacrifice or just in case they start cutting them up or something. I don't know. But <laughs> we'll, we'll see how they do. Uh, and if they do well, then during the day they can be with them. And then at night they can go into their own calf hutch as well.
1: Nice. Nice. I mean, you could also do the rotational grazing where you put them in after the does so that this way they clean up if they're because pigs and goats don't necessarily share the same parasites. And so they can go in after the does and kind of refresh that land and do a real rotational grazing system with multiple species.
0: Right. And with with the goats, when we put them out, we have a smaller hay feeder made out of metal that has been sitting for all year because they haven't been out on pasture. But we can you know, we know, feed them supplemental hay as well. So we'll give like a couple flakes out there during the day um, while they're just in case somebody needs it. They're not filling up on whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So then the pigs can come up and, and clean that up as well. So it's a win-win really. And I think Tyranny will enjoy it. I know Alice will definitely enjoy it. They're cute. They're Ewoks. We'll probably name them after Ewoks in Star Wars. Uh, It'll be great.
1: I just laugh at the motivation, but like the real true motivation. (laughs) But I do think think that it will be a nice addition to your farm. Yeah,
0: I'm excited. Um, And then, you know, I'm excited to eat them too. I hear they have a little bit higher marbling, like fat content. I guess marbling you'd think of more of cows, but uh they're higher fat content. So they make great sausage, they make great uh bacon, um the hams look pretty good. So we'll we'll see how they do. Awesome. Any other fine tuning to your operations that uh you have for this coming kidding season and show year?
1: No, I I mean I think we're gonna I mean there's there are changes afoot, but they are a little bit more drastic changes, so don't oh, quite... that
0: you're getting Nigerians, right.
1: Surprise! Um, <laughs> no, not adding Nigerians. Um, at least not yet. I'm still toying with this idea of having some mini Nubians. Um, but I just... I, I like the idea of having an easy market... For kids from younger does that might not necessarily have the buyer wait list because they're not proven yet. But I do like the idea that I don't necessarily have to find a pet home for a buck because he has a killer pedigree as half Nigerian and half Nubian. And there is a market for him. And he's going to be a strong breeding animal for somebody's herd that just has a different goal than I do. And I also don't necessarily have a great meat guy around me. And auctions are just a little too far to make it really worthwhile. So I always just get scared with the excess kids. And if I have a really bad buck year... I mean, there's only so many bucks you can sell. Yeah. I don't know. Does it just alleviate that pressure and I don't know.
0: Yeah, I feel you. That's I could I could get behind that, but I could also get behind, hey Danielle, I've got a bunch of kit buck kids that need to go. Hey John, so do I. Hey, let's uh do one trailer load and, and just go. Uh,
1: that would work too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's too much organizing though. <laughs>
1: that that's that's too logical. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, and oh, by the way, you have another dairy goat breeder right down the road from you that probably has the same predicament all the time.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Maybe we'll have to we'll all have to put our heads together and see if we can find a solution for for that problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, I and like, I am tempted to like, raise them out, but I just don't know what that entails either. And we also really don't have a good butcher that would do them around us either. And so, you know, what to do with the extra bucks. It's just bane of my, or fears for kidding season 2023.
0: Well, folks, if you have any ideas on what to do with extra bucks and routes to take, go ahead and comment on the post for this episode and comment any changes that you might be making to your season this year to make things a little bit easier. Danielle, this has been a wonderful topic. I love it. We're going to have to revisit it once we complete all these projects and see how they worked out for us. Uh, But in the meantime, folks, check out our socials, check out our podcast. And Danielle, where can they do that?
1: You can find us at DairyGoatPodcast.com. We are on Facebook if you search Ringside, an American Dairy Goat Podcast. We are on Instagram, ringside underscore goat underscore podcast, and we are on TikTok. We are ringside podcast on TikTok, so be sure to like, follow us on those platforms, and as always, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast and while you're there, be sure to subscribe, give us a rating or a review, we appreciate it.
0: Perfect. And again, thank you to our sponsors, The Great Goat and also Thismore Pottery. We appreciate you guys. And this has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat Podcast. I'm John.
1: And I'm Danielle.
0: We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat Podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.